Guys, what's up? Darren here. It's Supernatural's podcast show. That's what you're listening to right now. This show exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that that's why you're listening is because you got a desire to see God's kingdom come, his will be done, established through your daily efforts. It's such an honor to have you listening today. Just got back from Korea after a two-week trip with our team. We had 10 of us just going for it. I think we did um, 17 meetings in two weeks. It was wild. At a certain point, we were doing three meetings a day, just prophesying, prophesying um, one Korea under God, commanded blessing, unity, um, freedom to North Korea. It was just incredible. Um, We were at the DMZ on Thursday. The next day, CNN, Fox News, all the major networks were at the very same location that we were because of the announcement that night that President Moon would be meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un. And uh, and so also while we were in Korea, um, Kim Jong uh, snuck out of North Korea into China and met with the leaders. I mean, there's so many significant things that were taking place while we were there. Of course, we were just prophesying, praying, um, just going for it. We just saw uh, uh, a couple of meetings just pop, just crazy, wild glory on some of these meetings where, where nobody could even function. It was just it was just amazing, and it's and it's good to be back. Super excited about today's podcast with Justin Allen. He's an associate evangelist with Global Awakening, which is Randy Clark's ministry. Um, Justin is this crazy, bold, prophet, young guy that's just running with the things of the Spirit. A lot of momentum on his life and ministry, and I think you're going to enjoy my interview with Justin. Before we get to it, make sure that you rate and review uh, this podcast on iTunes. You can give it one star. That means you think it's kind of lame, or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think it'd be dope and off the chain. <laughs> so if you could do that, that'd be incredible. Created a link to get you there quickly. It's thedarrenshow.com. Again, that's thedarrenshow.com. So if you do that, that would be incredible. Also, don't forget to subscribe. That will keep this wild supernatural content flowing automatically onto your streaming device. May it be your laptop, uh, desktop, um, tablet, or your mobile phone. I love audio. I'm listening to audio all the time while I'm driving, while I'm doing things. I got stuff going on in the background. Love to multitask, be executing tasks while also learning. Um, And so make sure that you take advantage of this audio medium by subscribing. Again, same link, thedarrenshow.com. Without any further ado, let's dive into this this fun interview with this wild supernaturalist, Justin Allen. For more information on Justin Allen, go to globalawakening.com or just check out the link in the show notes. Let's get to it right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. Be <laughs> the created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> There is more. He said, what? Justin Allen, what's up? What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, doing well, man. We're just uh, going for it here in Seattle. And it looks like you've been traveling a lot and you're just running this year. Yeah, I've been running like a crazy person and it doesn't look like it's slowing down at all. So, 
Come on, come on. And, uh, and now you're doing a lot of itinerant stuff. And so you're just kind of like, you're going to a lot of churches, a lot of conferences. Like, what does that actually look like? Yeah, so I am uh, an associate evangelist for the Ministries of Global Awakening. Uh, so I, I minister in my own capacity, but I represent uh, the greater global vision of what Global's doing. So we are all about impartation, equipping, and training up everybody to do the works of ministry. Um, so I, I get to go all over the United States of America. I'll be in Brazil uh, a couple times this year, Canada, uh, East Coast, West Coast, all over the U.S. It's it's fun, man. Big churches, small churches, little hole-in-the-wall places, and uh, I love it, man, getting to see the global church, and it's fun. Man, that, that, that is cool. And like, so now you were a graduate of uh, Global Awakenings School, is that right? That's right. They have a global school of supernatural ministry. It's modeled similarly to Bethel School, and uh, I went through two years there, and it was really fantastic, a really good time. So, so you went through like two years, and they're like, Justin, you, 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 you have a gift, Justin. Like, we want to keep you around. Like, 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 what did that look like? My story is very <laughs> unique, and I caution people not to think that it's like a likely thing. But I, I was uh, in ministry for a long time in East Tennessee. And uh, we just felt the heart of God to come up and kind of like abandon all and sow our lives into the ministry of Global Awakening. And for us, an excuse to do that was the school. <laughs> so just so our parents didn't think we were insane and the rest of our family, we said, oh, we're going to the school. And uh, as we were doing that, I, I got hired in Global. And so I worked in their events department. I was a student. Um, one time I was hosting an event as a, as a a uh, person there working at Global, and uh, somebody got sick and couldn't fill their spot, and they're like, "Hey, Justin, you preach. Do you want to give it a shot?" And uh, I did, and and the Lord kind of showed up in that. I think more than people were expecting, and the rest is history. So I kind of like got the the cart ahead of the horse, if you will, and did things out of order, but it's all good. So yeah, man, that, that, that's incredible. I mean, when you're looking at like Bethel School, I I don't know what their numbers are right now, like. 1500 1600 1700 first first year yeah or is it really my 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 stats are old but as far as like the um the likelihood of being recognized in such a large group of students like it's 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 pretty like so for those people that go through bethel school and they end up getting a staff um a staff position that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal and it's a pretty big deal that you were able to be a part of the global awakening school and to be recognized and to get that opportunity i'm just wondering for people that are listening that are part of different um schools of supernatural ministry and they're trying to position themselves well um not not even necessarily for um even necessarily for a job but they want to be you know they want to be um recognize they, they don't want to just be yeah. another brick in the, wall, in the wall what what would you say like any any advice that you would say as far as how to position yourself well when you're going through like a school of ministry dynamic yeah that's a fantastic question and uh, one of my favorite things to talk about because people see where you're at and sometimes they see like an accelerated progression and they think there's an abc to get there and uh, honestly and legitimately when my wife and i decided to come it was because we knew that global had our DNA and it was like our family. So when we left all and sold all to go, we were just trying to partner with the ministry in the best that we could. And that looked like the school. So we honestly came to serve. I was walking away from ministry and people knew me and being connected 
to go to this be, uh, as an act of service. And when I got there, the Lord was very specific with us. Like, you know, don't announce who you are. Don't announce what you do. Keep your head down and just serve well and honor well. Grab a towel and wash feet and uh, watch me put you on display. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, it happened really quickly. I was only there uh, two months before I got hired. And uh, it, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a practice. You don't hire students. It was kind of breaking the rules. Wow. Uh, but if your heart's right, God makes everything else okay. Wow. So that's the way that you positioned yourself. But did, yeah. were, did, were, were there others that kind of came in kind of like, this is who I am and here's my business card? Oh, that happens all the time. <laughs> um, like, it, it's it's really sad because people just misunderstand, I think. I, I don't know. And, and two, like, zeal is good and like passion is good, but in the wrong direction, it's really messed up. And, uh, there, there's a ton of business card people. There's a ton of apostle that this prophet that's, and uh, God bless their heart. But like the first whole year of global school is about, um, it's about identity and sonship. Wow. So we, we try to really turn the fire up and rid people of the performance mentality. And even for me, man, I've been a minister in ministry for the better part of 10 years. And it absolutely was purifying and purging for me. Uh, but in that process, so many people will opt out, um, before the Lord's done doing his work. They're like, Oh, this is painful and this hurts. And it's not what I thought it was. Because our, our mentality is that the gifts and calling are without repentance. Uh, you didn't do anything to get them. You can't do anything to lose them. Um, but if you have your character built and established inside of you, then you can actually carry those gifts and callings really well. So um, it, it, it was just fun to watch. I would just advise people, if you're coming to a ministry, um, come to serve. And if you want to be fathered or meant, everybody wants a spiritual father these days. And there's like loose language of like, what is a spiritual father? And what in if you're approach to spiritual fathering or mothering looks like what they have to offer me, then it's backwards. I really think that that sons are the ones that are supposed to serve fathers and daughters as well. And there's a, there's a healthy balance as well. Uh, but if, if you're looking for what you can get out of any relationship, it's probably backwards. Right, right, right. Man, that's so good. And um, when it comes to identity, identity is one of those messages where sometimes it feels like we've got it, like we have a full revelation of of, of identity and who we are in Christ, and then all of a sudden, okay. <laughs> all of a sudden, like the fire starts to burn and stuff starts oh, starts to come up in our own heart, and we're like, "Oh wow, I guess I haven't arrived in in the uh, in the fullness of the identity revelation." But um, uh, just being kind of transparent and stuff, like in this current season, where do you feel like? Um, cause th- there's a level of success and favor that you're running in right now. And so mm-hmm. where do you, where do you feel, what are you learning in, about your own identity? Um, and what's the, what's, what's kind of the challenge there in, in actually having favor on your life and what, what's the kind of stuff that the Lord's teaching you about this revelation of your identity in this current season? That's a, that's a stellar question. Um, you think, when you're not in the season of favor, that the season of favor is going to be so much easier than it is. And the season of favor, the season of blessing and increase is not without its challenges. Um, but one thing I've learned is if you don't give time in the secret hidden place to deal with the identity issues, they'll be dealt with in the open. And God's so gracious and he's so kind that sometimes the press or the wilderness or the hidden place, we always refer to it, you know, the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is God actually 
actually tempering you. So when the weight of his glory is put on you, it doesn't crush you and kill you. Wow. So many times we're like, God, send your glory, send your fire. Well, glory's weight and fire burns, you know, <laughs> but if the fire does its job and it's burned out all the impurities, the only thing that's there is precious metal, precious stones. And, you know, we're a house of lively stones that he's fitting together. Um, but he make no mistake about it. He is a consuming fire. So to, to be able to abide in his presence is to be able to withstand the fire. And, uh, I think so much of, of what God is wanting to do is shift our mentality from enduring fiery trials, which are often equated to warfare and just embrace the, the consuming fire that is the eyes of Jesus. And as he gazes on you until you look like what he sees, um, that's what it is. I'm, I'm here now and I've had, uh, radical opportunities that I never, if you would have told me I would be doing the stuff I'm doing right now, I would have laughed at you three years ago <laughs> and just told you there's, there's no possible way. Um, but God seems to be flinging doors open. And I thought that I would feel more spiritual uh, than I do right now. But the reality is the lessons and the core values and the stuff that I'm preaching and teaching right now came out of hidden seasons that nobody saw. I haven't changed my message and I haven't changed my declaration. My platform has changed, but God has taken the weight of the words that I had to actually work out in the secret place. And because they cost me something, they're worth something, you know, so many people's revelation that they're carrying or the, the thing that they're saying is somebody else's revelation that they're trying to echo. But if you'll give yourself to the Lord in the secret place, you'll find your own voice and there's a confidence and an authority that you can't fake and you can't imitate when you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and you, you've learned to go through it well, then when you put on display, that's what God wants to show off is, hey, this is just a person who trusted me well, and this is what it looks like. You can do it too. Man, it's so good, Justin. Really, really good. And um, I wanted to ask you, you brought up the whole thing of sonship and, um, and this generation that's looking for spiritual fathers, right? Like that, yeah. that tends to be a big, uh, yeah. a big conversation as well as, the whole conversation of orphan thinking or the orphan spirit yes. or the orphan disposition. And what's kind of interesting is um, there numerically, <laughs> there just aren't enough yeah, fathers in, <laughs> <It's impossible. laughs> in order to spiritually father all of these sons that are, that are looking for fathers. So bro, would you just be willing to speak into like the heart of a son? Because that's one thing that I've, that I've really, yeah. that I've really seen in you. Um, and what, I guess my question is like, what is real sonship? Like what is healthy sonship? And then like, and where does that message maybe sometimes misunderstood that brings us into sometimes uh, maybe even a greater, um, manifestation of like orphan <laughs> or mm -hmm. orphan thing. Like sometimes it was like, I'm trying to be a son. And, and, yeah. and really what we're doing is like, um, we're just showing off our orphanness. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, it, it's it's like you said. There there are not enough fathers in the world to fix the orphan problem that we have, but there is one heavenly Father that is the fix all answer to everything. And you know, even if you have the best spiritual father in the world, he's going to disappoint you. He's going to make you mad at some point. He will not measure up to the standard of perfection. But we have a, a father who's in heaven. Uh, that's really got this together. And uh, if you've not allowed yourself to be fathered by God, uh, then no man will ever be able to fill that void. And if you have allowed yourself to be fathered by, by God, 
then anybody can actually begin to add to your life. And one thing I, I teach people as I'm going around is because everybody has an idea, um, but the whole emphasis in the Bible of like everybody wants to claim they're a son, everybody wants to claim they're a daughter, but the Bible tells us that those that endure discipline and chastening, those are true sons, that if you can't endure discipline, you can't endure chastening. So many people, they walk away from the Lord the minute he starts putting his finger on stuff and saying, this is not in your best interest. And it's not because he doesn't love us. It's not because he wants us to not have fun. It's because he actually knows better than we do. So it's at it, at the core and at the root of it, it's a kingdom issue. Repent for the kingdoms at hand. Change the way you think because I actually you know, knit you together in your mother's womb. I, I know I got plans for a hope and a future. And if we can't get this fundamental issue of control and and you don't have control over your life, but I actually have the final say and you can't trust me or even to trust those leaders in your life as a, as a type of, of me in the earth, um, that's really where it is because anytime that we, we, we feel like we're losing control, that's where we hold on very tightly. And, and for me, uh, the issue of so many people say, I want a father, I want a, uh, a mother right now. They're wanting to be vindicated and validated by a person right. um, for inadequacies that they feel inside. But if you ever need that from a man, like if it takes that in your life, uh, then it will only be sustained by continual affirmation from those people. And uh, that's not a healthy place to be, man. Uh, the the blood of Jesus speaks uh, really loudly about what the Father thinks about us. And, you know, uh, God didn't send Jesus into the world but to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Um, God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. That's some heavy stuff, and you won't find that any other place. Uh, I mean, it sounds really simple, like a broad stroke answer, uh, but God is a father you need. And once that's settled, like legitimately, uh, any father, even if they're messed up, you can have a poor spiritual father, and you'll be able to bless God for the good things in their life and to just filter out the bad stuff and you not know, hold it against them. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, 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 absolutely. And do you think because of your, um, uh, you're running with a lot of young people. So mm -hmm. do you see the, let's just say the orphan epidemic? <laughs> Is it cause you said that part of the school was an emphasis on identity and sonship is, yeah. is the, um, is what I'm wondering is with like with millennials and then the next generation with, mm -hmm. uh, let's just call them echo or generation Z or whatever. The, the, the dynamics radically different than like Xers. Right. So like mm -hmm. with gen X, you had like parents that were very, very career driven. Yes. And you had like a, you had a generation that was just kind of like, um, and I'll just be polite, kind of like just fooey on everything. Right. So yeah. like you had a generation that was just like, Man, forget career, forget yeah. everything. It was like the, the Nirvana generation. Yeah. Um, and then you have kind of like the, the the younger millennials and then the, the 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 generation under that. It's quite the opposite. It's like mom and dad are at everything. You know, it's mm -hmm. like um uh and and it's the very first generation that actually have schedules, right? So you yes. actually have like when I was a kid, I didn't have a schedule, <laughs> but like okay. my, my kids had swim lessons and piano lessons and, and all of these things. So I guess what yeah. I'm, what I'm asking is, do you see in some of these younger kids that, um, that, that there are, there are still issues, but that this whole thing of God as father, that for them, it's, it's far easier for them to grasp. And that this whole thing of orphan thinking and the orphan disposition isn't as much of a conversation for the younger generation. Uh, I think that's accurate in a lot of regards. 
um, on the the much younger generation. I, I think it, it actually makes sense. Every every generation that emerges has its own unique approach and angle at the daddy issues though. I mean, you've been a pastor for a number of years. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time somebody came in and the core of it was a daddy issue, it can be good. It can be bad. It could be indifferent, but everything, you know, spins on the axis of daddy in most people's lives. And, and when that's out of check, uh, it, it throws everything off. Um, I do think it's less of an issue in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's also because there was a, you know, in speaking in broad stroke, just for the sake of this conversation, but there was a large, uh, portion of the church organized religion for a series of time the last 40, 50 years that made relationship with God about legalistic requirements and and stuff like that. This particular generation uh, does have a much better, I think, understanding of like the unrestrained love of the Father. Uh, They don't have a great grid for uh, walking circumspectly and, and holiness and, and being set apart. They don't have that. Um, so there can you can tilt the scales the opposite direction. You can eliminate one problem and get yourself into a ditch on the opposite side of the road. Uh, I think that radical Christianity and a radical expression of Christ actually looks like balance, you know. Um, and I think as we see, as we grow more and more into the full stature of Christ, it looks more balanced. Um, I think the orphan issue isn't the only issue. I think a lot of these people that are getting saved now aren't going through 15 years of inner healing. I think they're just getting it and they're going for it really quick. I think people like the, the, the uh, power and love movement, you know, Todd White, Dan Moeller, uh, Tom Rotolo, Bob Hazlitt, those guys did such a masterful job of displaying the gospel and the father's heart that that theology stands in such a way that nothing else can come up against it, you know? So we had years of just jacked up thinking that if I do this, then God's pleased with me. Right. That takes right. a lot longer to remove than people that have no grid. I, I almost would rather have the latter kind of where we're at now. It's just easier. It doesn't take so long to fix. It's like, oh, they don't have any idea what holiness is. Well, they'll figure it out when they get close to God. <laughs> you know, eventually the Holy Spirit will speak up. So um, yeah, I agree with you, yes. Now, let's... Let's just talk about the, the the prophetic movement right now in the yeah. in the present, and so and there's a lot of directions we could go with this, but um, uh, so that would be probably, I mean, that would be one of one of the areas that you that you really shine is in the role of a prophet and and going into places and getting the heart of God for communities and such. What do you? Um, it it almost feels like there's a certain level of like prophetic resistance right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, within the church. Um, do you, do, do you know what I'm talking about when I say prophetic resistance and, and define and, what you mean by prophetic re- resistance and, and I'll go from there. Yeah. 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 It almost feels like there's almost like a, uh, a push in the spirit to silence the prophets, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and to come against that office Almost yes. and uh, and almost a, uh, a mocking of prophetic ministry or even, or even the, the, the characteristics of a prophet, you know? And what I mean by that is that sometimes there's a stereotype that prophets are mean, they're black and white, you know, yeah, yeah. they don't really like, they don't really like people. And, um, and I'm, and, and that's being extreme, but that, that's yeah. how a lot of people kind of frame, uh, and, um, and the, the present, uh, 
culture of the church is so based in the father heart of God. And uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're a good, good father. That's yeah, who yeah. you are. And then all yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you, 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 um, you, you know, you, you have these, these people that are like, yeah, that's true, but right. And so, and yeah. so, um, yeah. And so it feels like there's like this desire for the true prophetic, uh, within, yeah. within the church, but there's also kind of like a fear of the true prophetic and maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe there's even kind of like a little hope deferred and the oversaturation of the prophetic within the charismatic stream with, with yeah. like within the past. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm wondering, like uh, for you being kind of a prophet and being a young guy and really running, um, what are you like, like what are you sensing right now? And, and what do you feel like, what do you feel like the role of prophets on the earth is right now uh, yeah. with, with, with this generation? Yeah, I think the role of prophets is the same as it's always been to be a mouthpiece for God when when other people seem to be missing it or off to the left or off to the right. Prophets are never like curious about what is God saying? They're always a thus saith the Lord type of people. And when you talk about the resistance to prophetic ministry, I would say that the existing um establishment of the church almost has no grid for the office of prophet anymore. Um, they, they have an idea of all may prophesy and 95% of what we're seeing is all may prophesy and prophetic schools. And I'm an advocate for that stuff. I, I love it. I, I think it's great. I think we should, you know, I'm about equipping the saints for work of ministry. That's great. Um, but the, the office of prophet is still a, a holy thing and a, a thing that's set apart. And I think that people's ignorance, for lack of a better word, on, on the, the offices and gifts and the difference in them uh, causes them to probably not honor and revere those things as they should. Um, but prophets have kept the church, um, entire people groups, nations um, from judgment that didn't have to come because they saw um, they, they have foresight, insight and oversight. They ab- absolutely. But the prophets also remember the word of the Lord and say, hey, God said to stay away from this. And the reason we're in the shape we're in is because we've forgotten his statutes and his ways and we stepped away. Um, the Lord's been speaking to me about this, this thing of deliverers and, and God's raising up deliverers. And, uh, you know, Moses was a deliverer. Um, but then also when you do a word word search of deliver in the Bible, you'll find it in the judges, which is kind of interesting because oh, the people would cry out, Lord, save us. And he would raise up a deliverer and the Holy Spirit would come on them and they would judge the people. And they would say, this is where we stepped away from the Lord. And that person, just by going back and remembering the word of the Lord, would remind the people who were in sin and missing out and in bondage because of it. And when they declare it and they'd step back in line, there was peace and freedom over the people of God. It's always been the model and prophets have existed old covenant and are still in existence today. I think that carries weight if nothing else. Um, but I believe, um, that what we're going to see in the prophetic movement is a, a, a bold, um, sometimes abrasive, not just for the sake of being abrasive, not just for the sake of being aggressive. Um, but, but prophets have to be hardline people, uh, because God generally will raise them up when everything else in the whole world is going the other direction. And there's one, one or two or a company of people that say, no, this has to stop. This is actually the word of the Lord. So, uh, I think God's raising up fire branded young people that have spent time, uh, in intercession, spent time with the Lord and they really care. They've got more fear, more of the fear of the Lord in them than they do of the fear of man. And I think somewhere along the line, 
line, we started to uh, fumble the prophetic and, and muddy it up when we started really being concerned about um, the seeker-sensitive issues and stuff like that. Prophecy's never lent itself to seeker-sensitive um, Christianity. It just doesn't work. And uh, subtly and over a period of time, because of you know wounds in the past and uh, people overstepping their boundaries and prophetic exercise poorly, uh, we've we've veered away from. And I think it's sad, but I think the the thus saith the Lord prophets are coming back on the scene. Uh, I think they're coming out with fire and boldness, and I actually think we'll see some uh, strongholds of of like hundred year strongholds torn down uh, because people are being raised up. I mean, you look at the Billy Grahams, the Martin Luther Kings, um, the Winston Churchills, those type of people. I think that's what God's raising up, but they were fiery people that didn't fit the mold. And even people would say, Oh, you know, Billy Graham, like his life is a Testament. I think it's interesting uh, how everybody loved him, but that man was bold and made some hard lines and didn't flinch and stood before people. He shouldn't have been able to stand before and said things he couldn't have said apart from the Holy spirit and the whole world loved him. Even when Moses died, it wasn't just Israel that mourned for him. Uh, I think that's interesting. But when, when the spirit of the Lord's on somebody and that actual real heart of the father's there, you can come off with correction, but because it's in love, people embrace it. I think this generation now is actually longing, crying out um, for correction because they know that correction and love go hand in hand, but they don't know how to receive it. So I think if we can model it unapologetically, because I can stand before people boldly if I love them with my whole heart, and then I can go before the Lord and be like, I did everything I was supposed to do. But I think they're coming out bold. They're coming out fiery. And I think people will see the office again put on display. We just haven't seen it, man. A lot of generals have died off and nobody stood up in their place. And and that's kind of sad. We're kind of in this lull. But I think uh, there's a lot of young prophets uh, and, and not only young, but I think there's going to be a lot of people that are 30 and under that just emerge in the next three to five years that people are going to be like, where did they come from and how do they know what they know? And it's a presence thing. Man, that's so good. And uh, I'd love for you to speak into um, the importance of, of, of the role of the prophet and, um, and, and accountability. Just because mm-hmm. it's the, the prophets that I know, love, and trust, they are in a community of prophets or in some sort of, they're plugged into some sort of apostolic community where they are like, where they're basically accountable. And that would be from, uh, from guys like Bobby Connor to Sean Bowles to James Gall. Like these guys aren't just doing whatever they want versus mm-hmm. a lot of the, and I, you know, and I put, I put this in parentheses, you know, prophets that, yeah, yeah. I, that I, that I don't trust and that I, mm-hmm. that I'll just tell them right to their face. You're not a prophet. They, yes. they are not accountable to any, one and they're kind of like they just kind of do whatever they want and um and it's not necessarily the fire of god it's just their own anger issues within their own soul that they're operating from you know and so for for those that are that are listening and there is a uh, what like uh, just a true embryonic prophet call yeah um like what do you think because i know as a pastor like like how i need to be held accountable is going to be different than you, mm-hmm. than you as a prophet, and how how you need to be held accountable. So for for prophets, what what areas do you feel like accountability really matters? And then what kind of people have you sought out in, to surround yourself with just for your own um, safety and health? Yeah, 
Uh, I think that people that are, that think differently than you and express themselves differently than you do are your greatest asset, particularly in leadership. Um, prophetic people by nature, um, most of the time, can be a little segregated, separated, because there is a, there's a genuine weight to the call. There's a genuine cost to it that most people don't understand. So a lot of times you feel misunderstood, you know, ostracized, put on the outside looking in. Uh, but I've been around long enough to know that I have a saying that prophets are people too, and they just want friends and family and community. So I say to church people that, that maybe don't understand, why are they so intense all the time? Why are they so like, why do they have those eyes like that all the time? They look so mean. <laughs> and it, like, don't hold that against them um, and give them extra grace because they sometimes they don't know how to be loved. And uh, sometimes they've been put out a lot of times for the way that they are. So you know, honor the prophet and the name of prophet and you'll receive a prophet's reward is, is a good thing. Um, but I also say to those prophetic people, like, you know, you have to deal with the internal contents of your heart and your, your gift, even if you are operating in the office of a prophet, even if you're a prophet to nations, that is not a license to be difficult and hateful and vindictive and don't use your gift. You know, the, the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God is a tool in your hand, but if you use it the wrong way, then the thing that you are meant to defend the body of Christ with, you can actually maim and decapitate them and hurt them. You need to know if you're immature. It's just like if you gave kids AK-47s, it's not a good idea. There's a lot of damage that can be done there. Uh, But in the arms of a skilled tactician or like a special services guy, it can be something that defends and protects people. It just depends on the maturity level there. Mm. Uh, Your gifting and your, your office or whatever the call is on your life is not an excuse uh, to be immature or disconnected. Uh, you need to have people that have the authority in your life to say no and correct you, and you just have to sit down and be quiet if they do, even if you disagree with them. Because uh, true honor is not found when you agree with somebody. True honor is found when there's an impasse or you disagree with someone and you have to submit. Um, and the prophetic gifting in a person unsubmitted to anything can be deadly and can be dangerous and will actually end up being your demise. Uh, so I tell those people, you know, you need to learn how to get the heart of the Father. Um, and if you don't love people, you should never prophesy to them. Um, and if, if, if you don't have the, the compassion of God, uh, then you don't need to bring down judgment words or, or, or correction words. And particularly if you're not even – a lot of people want to just jump from city to city, place to place, and drop heavy prophetic words with virtually no accountability. Uh, I would advise that if you have a prophetic thing in your life – like incorporate yourself into the culture of a church and serve that local church. Well, learn how to steward those words that you're dropping inside the context of a local community. And you'll prophesy differently than if you're just dropping bombs uh, from one city to the next The you know, sometimes people talk about, Oh, we went to this place and it blew up. That's not a good, you know, demonstration (laughs) of a church ministry to me. Like, I don't want to go blow up churches. I I want to go place down. down. It's like, I never got invited back because I don't know how to carry myself, but you know, it's, like you're gifted, but you're not that important. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that's like as eloquent as it should be, but you need community. I say that prophet is not a Greek word for hard to get along with is my, my saying it, Jesus operated fully in that capacity and people loved him and he was kind and not hateful. So we so, don't have to do that. So you don't have like notches on your belt for how many churches you've shut down. <laughs> yeah. 
They're just little gems that I keep in my pocket. <laughs> well, I love what you said. You said, get the heart of the father first before you give a word. You said, love people first. And yeah. then instead of just hopping around, actually plug into a place, plug into a culture, serve the church first, and then begin to allow your gifting to open up. And, and that's yeah. beautifully said, so practical and, and, um, and, that'd be a great, a great place to start. Like, can you give us a, like an example of, cause I think a lot of times people, when they think of prophets, they think of basically it, it's the, it's the speaking office of the church, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, it's like, it's one of the most romantic kind of offices in that you get to kind of speak for God versus the teacher kind of speaks about God and the pastor kind of the pastor kind of loves people for God, but like the prophet actually gets to speak for God. And I think that, um, that there's something really romantic about that. And one of the things that I've noticed is that, um, like with Bobby Connor, it's not so much what he says, it's what he doesn't say. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, so I wanted to ask you, um, this kind of a a complicated question, not that, not that you get into specifics, but when you go, when you go, because I know that this has to happen all the time, when you go into a church or into a, a ministry, to serve and you and God begins to show you stuff um, that's off. And, and so um, and you start to see stuff that's unhealthy areas that need correction. Um, uh, how do you, how do you walk that out? Yeah, it's, it's delicate uh, because you're dealing with people's hearts and the easiest thing to do as a black and white prophetic person is to disconnect uh, emotionally and relationally from those people um, and just see, oh, this is a problem. This must be fixed. And if this is fixed, then the solution is there. Uh, but I, I look at it the same way that I look at my children. I've got a six-year-old, I have a three-year-old, and I have a one-year-old. And they, we may be experiencing the same problem with each one of them individually, but based on their ability to to process information, based on their maturity level, I'll hold them to a different level of accountability because of what's at their disposal. And because I love them, I won't like over discipline them when they're not ready to steward it. Well, um, because if I discipline my one year old, like I discipline my six year old, that's impossible. And, and I don't want to be an impossible taskmaster. Don't provoke your children to wrath kind of thing. Um, but if I also treat my six year old, like my one year old, when she has the ability and the capacity to, uh, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, recognize these indicators for herself and take action. And I treat her like a one-year-old and do it for her. Then that's not doing any favors for her as well. And the common denominator that I have there is like, they're my children. I love them. So my goal is to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, uh, to show them a better way. This is the way walk in it. Now there's a, a multiplicity of ways I can do that. And I can express the heart of the father because at the end of the day, the Lord is really saying one thing, but there's a thousand ways that that can be applied. There's a thousand ways that that can be expressed, but there's only one way that's the right way for them. And we've seen uh, just tremendous growth in the area of like words of knowledge and accurate information, which is great. I, I love it. But if you can give someone accurate bits of information about their life, but you don't know the secrets to their heart, then you're not prophesying. You're operating in a gift absent from repentance. You're just pulling a word of knowledge gift out, which is just an, a very small element of the prophetic. But if I actually have the heart of God for an individual, I know what the problem is. I know the solution. I also know the way that I can administer uh, that truth so that it can go straight into their heart and and actually change them. Because 
if it's really the word of the Lord, the only the only person that can transform a heart is God. Now, if I'm stewarding his words really well and carrying them carefully and I deliver them uh, in a way that they can receive, because I can speak in lofty words and I could speak in biblical analogies and use, you know, big words or I could just speak plainly to people and the power of God can hit it and literally change their life. And they I can do surgery on their heart and they won't even know it. Uh, which is the goal. Like I want to be so gentle. Like I want to be a surgeon. I want to be able to take a scalpel and leave, you know, if I have to cut, I I don't want to leave a scar. I'm not going in there, you know, with, with an old hunting knife, you know, like both hands going after stuff, trying to remove stuff. That's not the way that the Lord does it. And, uh, I, I, I love the church. And, and Christ died for the church. So my goal is not to put another notch on my belt or look really cool or be validated. Like I got to be validated before I go in. And honestly, the Lord has actually used me in a lot of capacities to bring heavy words of strong correction. Um, particularly I'm a young guy, I'm 31 right now, and I've been doing this for a long time. So most of my life, the people I've been ministering two have been double my age or better, you know, and people that have been, you know, running church longer than I've been alive. And how can I step into that situation as an oracle of the Lord? You, you spoke about as, as one who speaks for God and carry myself. And, and it goes back to that exhortation. Uh, let no one think less of you because of your youth, but in every way, carry yourself in such a way that they can receive you and they'll know it's God. And uh, uh, if you love them, then the way that you carry yourself and the way that you insert those words into their life. Um, and there will be sometimes where you're going to bring a corrective word that will result in loss. It will be an explosive, powerful word. Uh, and there's, uh, it's just one of those things that you have to trust the Lord in. And as long as you love them, then you can't go wrong. Um, but I've, there's been a lot of ways I, if, if I were doing something, I would do it differently than the way God is doing it. Mm. Um, but I always defer to him. And I always defer to the people. And sometimes there's stuff I see that they're, they're five years from. Also, there's stuff that they won't see, and it's actually not important for them to deal with yet. Just because I see it, it may just be my gift in operation. Uh, Dan McCollum will tell you three things. He works with School of the Prophets of Acaville, California. Uh, and he said, there's, there's three modes of operation you're gifting. Um, God actually has a mandate and a, and a job for you to do when he's telling you something. Uh, number two, he's teaching you something, so he's telling you something to teach you, but you don't actually have anything to do. It's just a conversational, this is what's going on. And the third thing is you're picking up on stuff that's just information that's happening around you that is just you need to turn your gift off or learn how to, to quiet it down so you can operate. Uh, so it's one of those three things. If I don't have a mandate, then I need to talk to God about it. If he's not saying anything, then I can silence it and kind of rest for a while and realize that I don't need to be needed all the time. I can sometimes just have coffee with my wife and not give a prophetic word and God is pleased, you know? Come on, come on. Did you ever give uh, <laughs> prophetic words to your wife like the Saith the Lord, honey, I sense a shift is coming. It's coming. I'll tell her every ah. once in a while. It's not in that fashion, though. That doesn't go over so well. <laughs> well, with our second daughter, uh, we were having a back and forth about her name because the fir our first daughter, like God shows up and talks to my wife about our kids. And our second daughter, I, I knew that her name was supposed to be Hope. And I, I just knew it. And like we were sitting down having lunch. And uh, I said, babe, I love you, but I'm not moving on this right now. 
our daughter's name is supposed to be Hope. We were at an Asian restaurant, and I said, as a sign, there's going to be a sign in that fortune cookie um, that's going to that's going to that God's going to confirm that this is the truth. And she was just laughing. We were going back and forth. Sure. And she she opened it up, and it said something to the tune of "You're carrying hope inside you." Wow! And come on. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> God, if you've never done anything for me, you did that, and I will always come back to this this right now. So you're like, you're like who's a prophet? Huh? Who's a prophet now, huh? <laughs> I remind her of it at least five times a week. So <laughs> come on. That's awesome. <laughs> but I've been wrong too, at least twice. Oh, that's awesome. Justin, <laughs> what what would you what are like two or three of your favorite prophetic books that have helped shape you and your ministry when it comes to prophetic ministry? Um, I really love uh, a book called the roar by Bob Hazlett. Um, who's just a like renowned prophetic voice, uh, friend and mentor, just one of the most, um, down to earth, plain ways, uh, talks about the voice of God from creation all the way through and God's communication with him. Um, there's a book called Purifying the Prophetic by R. Lauren Sanford uh, that most people think that those are two very different books. R. Lauren Sanford uh, deals with the office of prophet and talks about some things uh, that nobody's talking about. And uh, it's very different. I, like I said, I like to pull from diverse uh, streams. Uh, I like that. And then honestly, man, I, I didn't have a lot of comeuppance in prophetic training. So I, I was Baptist till I was 20, 21. And then everything that I learned was kind of like by the Lord in, in the Bible in a secret place. So I didn't know about prophetic authors till later. And I've been so busy prophesying. I haven't had a ton of time to read uh, prophetic books. But there's, uh, there's a basic training manual. Um, that's really good and practical. Chris Vallotton has, it's like basic training uh, for prophetic ministry. It's a really solid, uh, good book. And then just, you know, find out what prophecy is, get in the Bible and talk to God about it. it it's easier that way. It gets less religious and it gets less, you know, system oriented. I like it. I like it. You're like, if you're, if you're prophetic, be taught of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen yeah. to him. Let him teach yeah. you. But those are, That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> those are some outstanding resources as well. So some, uh, some supplements, right? Don't allow your, no, they're good. I believe you should always learn. You should always grow. Uh, yeah. But you're not a prophet just because you went to a prophetic school. <laughs> even even if they give you a certificate that says you are. <laughs> even, even if they do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is it's good and profitable. I had a guy show me his certificate once where mm. where where he was basically ordained as a prophet because he did a oh. because he did a course. Oh and, man. Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh I wanted to sue the person that gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I love it when people come up. I have a pet peeve. I'm going to say it because maybe people will hear it and they won't do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> but when it's altar ministry time, why do people think it's appropriate to hand a business card when you're praying for the presence of the Lord? People walk up without fail. Here, apostle to the nations, prophet this, <laughs> teacher that. It's like, God bless your heart. But I'm going to throw this away when I leave the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're not like if, if you're if you're an insurance salesman or mm. a um, or a realtor, by all means, have a business yeah. card. But if yeah. you're if you're a prophet, lose the lose the business card and, <laughs> and write a book <laughs> somewhere. It's like I got called. I need to get business cards right now. Yeah. I mean, first, first thing on the list. Mr. Print. I mean, don't, don't you think that like like 
like if you're pro if, if you're an emerging prophet don't get the, uh, write a book right Let, like if yeah. you if you gave me a free book i'd be like oh all right i mean i might not read it but yeah but you got it but hey it's got value and you put a lot of work into it versus mm-hmm. versus anybody with with a computer and a printer can make a business yeah. card so it's like it's scary man <laughs> it is scary and hilarious we laugh because it's true uh justin you've you said so many good things i mean there's so much to apply here i just appreciate you uh taking the time just to have this conversation with me and bro i'm celebrating just the favor that's on your life and uh and love just following you on instagram and uh and just watching all the cool stuff that you're up to and um uh i'll i'll be sure to put the the global awakening you know uh contact info in the in the show notes please connect with um with justin allen on uh instagram go to go to his website and check it out and anything justin that you'd like to kind of throw out there that people should kind of keep their eyes open for um that you're going to be doing coming up um, just pay attention to my itineraries posted on globalawakening.com. And I actually just uh, finished uh, the rough draft of, of a, my first booklet project that I've actually done uh, detailing that the encounter that I had with the storm of glory at the gates of hell, uh, which a lot of people have, have been asking for. So I did my due diligence to uh, articulate it, write it down. That should be coming out in the next three months or so. So that can be on Global Awakening Bookstore or something like that. But yeah, just keep an eye out. And if I'm in your neck of the woods, come visit me. Awesome. And when that comes out, let's do this again. And you can chat about that, uh, chat about that encounter in that book. And, um, yeah. and we'll be keeping our eyes open for that. Thank you so much, Justin. This has been amazing. It's been fun. Always a good time with you, man. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Justin Allen. Just want to make sure that you go and rate and review this podcast on iTunes. You can give it one star. That means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars. And that means that you think it's off the chain. It only takes a minute or two. It'd mean the world if you would do that. Created a link to get you there quickly and efficiently. Just go to thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. That'll redirect you to my iTunes page. Rate, review. That would be amazing of you. Love you guys. God bless.